Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Why are you doing that? I've let you live in this space. I created you for this time and for a purpose and a reason, yes. However, are you storing up for yourself treasures in heaven? Are you investing in eternity? Because most of your existence, all of your existence, for the most part, will be there. Are you preparing for that? Are you planning for that? I'm too busy. You need to set your priorities straight. Ooh, that hurts. Pastor James lays it down today in his message. We all get busy and we all have priorities in our lives that compete with the time that we give back to God. Our time here on earth is really short compared to our eternity in heaven. And yet we make excuses to prioritize our time here over preparing for the promise of eternity later. Pastor James says, get your priorities straight. I feel kind of like he might've been talking directly to me today. Maybe he was also talking directly to you. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 12 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Our experiences in heaven are going to be far greater than our experiences here on earth. Your relationships in heaven are going to far exceed your relationships here on earth. They will be, imagine this, they will be much better, much better. Now, I'm going to go through a list at, uh, towards the end concerning some things that the, the scriptures do address concerning heaven and, you know, and do we, will we have bodies and all that good stuff? I believe we will. Um, But right here, not moving on too quickly from this, this is the question that these guys bring to Jesus. We don't believe in the resurrection. You do nothing but talk about it. So here's a hypothetical situation. This lady gets married to this guy, that guy dies, that guy dies, that guy dies, so on and so on and so on. When she gets to heaven, who's she going to be married to, Jesus? And his reply is, amazing classic. Verse 24, he says, uh, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures, <laughs> right? Like these are religious leaders. These are priests. These are priests who are coming to him and they are experts on the first five books. And he's like, you know what your problem is? You don't know what you're talking about. You have no understanding. Your problems is ignorance. And that's like literally what he says to them. You know what your problem is? You're ignorant. They're like, whoa, hold on. Oh, wait, where's that nice Jesus? No, let's, let's have honest Jesus. Let's have honest Jesus who's going to call out error in the teachings of the day. Let's have an honest Jesus who wants to expose false teaching within the church. He's not going to be like, oh, you know what? Let me put my hand, my arm around you and pat you on the back. Like, you know, I'm going to rub your back and be like, look, you misunderstood, but it's okay. No, you're teachers, you're priests. You're supposed to be leading the people and you don't even know what the book says. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And he's like, you know what your problem is? Your mistake, you don't know the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures. You, don't know, you certainly don't know them as well as you think you do. 
He's like, and your lack of understanding concerning the scripture leads to your lack of understanding of who God is. And that's a big statement for very religious and devout Jews who have grown up understanding or being taught who God is. I mean, they have, they probably in this audience have most of those first five books memorized. They know those first five books, but they don't know those first five books. You can memorize scripture all day long, but it doesn't mean you know it. It doesn't mean you know it. You can have it plastered on every part of your house, on your throw pillows and your coffee mugs and all that good stuff. It doesn't make a difference at all. It's just artwork, guys. If, it's, if it never transitions from there to here to here, it makes no difference. It has to find home within your heart. Because once it finds home within your heart, then you put it to practice. You start living out these truths. And you're not walking around like a Sadducee, just woe is me, and oh, the world is so bleak, and there's nothing. No, the best is yet to come. I get it. We live in dark days. I understand all that. But the best is yet to come. You should be excited that heaven is a reality, and it is coming. Better is coming. The best ever is coming. The Apostle Paul, uh, these guys try to kill him. They just about stoned him to death. They drug him outside the city and all that good stuff. Well, it's around that time is when we think that he had this, this experience. He went up into the third heaven, okay? That means, you know, there's the atmosphere, then there's space, but then the third heaven is like heaven. And he refused to talk about it. He refused to talk about it. He's like, I can't even, I can't even talk about it. It'd be like illegal for me to talk about it. What he saw. I have a a friend or an acquaintance of mine um, who's a church planter, and he was uh, sharing the story that uh, he went and planted a church in, in Ireland. I want to get it right. Um, in Ireland. He's out street witnessing, preaching the gospel and all that good stuff after, um, after like a soccer game and some hooligans, soccer hooligans, you guys know them, um, had a little too much to drink, go figure, uh, and uh, they nearly beat him to death. Like, literally, like, he was in the hospital on the, on, on the table, pronounced dead. And I can't remember how many minutes he was dead. But he said, you know what? And he's, he's very hesitant to talk about it. And it, it, look, there's books that are written about people's experience with this and all this good stuff. But he was like, he's like, I, he's like, I, I medically, he's like, I was dead. He's like, I, and he was, uh, he, before he became a pastor, he served as a, a, a paramedic and all this good stuff. He's like, I was dead. Like, I was dead, dead. He's like, and he's like, what I saw, what I saw, he's like, he's like, I, I can't tell you about it. And he just starts weeping. Every time he talks about it, he just starts weeping. He's like, I do know this. He's like, I've always believed in the resurrection. He's like, but after that experience, I know, I know heaven is real. Heaven is real. He's like, I had an experience that I cannot tell you about. And he just starts just crying and crying and crying. He's like, but, but I know this. I believed it before. He's like, but man, that what I saw, what I experienced there in that state. And then he came back to life and shocked everybody in the room. And uh, he's like, but what I experienced there absolutely ch- changed 
It, it motivated him to get out there more and share the gospel more and tell more people about Jesus because he's like, it's real. I've always known it's real, but he's like, no, no, it's like really real, really real. And come whatever hooligans, you know, may show up and all that stuff, he's like, I'm giving them the gospel. I'm giving them gospel. So here with this, in this little strange little scenario, uh, these guys are asking this question. Jesus lets them know, your misinterpretation of the scriptures have caused you to misinterpret God because if you would have known that, you would also know that, there's, that we serve a powerful God, and that's the rest of that verse, uh, and you don't know the power of God, right? So God is all-powerful, and he is able to resurrect, right? That's just who he is. That's who he is. But because of their misinterpretation of the scriptures, they, misinter- they misunderstood who God was and who God is. And he's going to use their own, uh, you know, text, so to speak. It's his word, but you get what I'm saying, the five books. He's going to use that to argue his point. But before that, he says, um, verse 25, for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage, right? So there's, there is a resurrection. And when you, when you are resurrected, you're not, you're not going to be married and you're not going to be, there's not going to be no weddings in heaven, Okay. He says, in respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Angels are not getting married in heaven. We'll be like angels. We will not be angels, though. So get rid of that image. We talk about that all the time. You're not going to be some chubby little baby playing a harp with wings. That's, that is not heaven to me, okay? I don't know what that is, but that's certainly not heaven for me. I'm not excited about that at all. Like, no, I don't want to go there. Um, what's my other option? Um, well, I definitely don't want to go to the other place, that's for sure, but... You're not going to be an angel. You'll be like an angel, okay? Humans are different from angels, okay? God has created us different from angels. Now, do angels show up in a form of human and all that good stuff? Yeah, that, that happens, right? And how do they really? Well, if you want to know, look at seraphim and cherubim. Those are weird-looking things, okay? They got eyes everywhere and wings, all, all kinds of wings and stuff. Like, those, that's what angels look like. Do all angels look like that? No, no. Should we have a good understanding of what angels look like? No, no. Should you worry about it? Not at all, not at all. I wouldn't even waste a second. Here's what I would do. I would treat every person that you encounter as if they could be an angel because you never know when you're entertaining angels, okay? So that's another good reminder for us to treat people with dignity and respect, and to love them, because you never know who's in your midst. You never know. You never know. But that's, that's how, that's like the reality of heaven, and Jesus is educating these guys of like, no, nah, you guys, you guys want to take, well, these guys don't, because they have no clue of what the afterlife is even like, but to the crowd at large, he's like, you're not taking earth with you. What you experience here on earth, marriage, that's a blessing. That's a beautiful thing. And that started from the very beginning, book of Genesis. And he put Adam and Eve together. Why? So that they could populate this planet, right? There's, there's no need for that in heaven. Whoever's there is there. Nobody's going to be born into heaven, right? So that's done. The, you know, procreation and all that good stuff. Now, some of you might be bummed about that. You're like, oh, no, um, 
that element of it, right? They're like, oh, no, no sex in heaven. Yeah, I'm sorry, but no, there's no, no sexual intimacy in heaven, right? So I was asking for the little ears. I'm like, is there anybody in here uh, too young? No, um, well, I hope not. Uh, you might be having conversations afterwards. Um, that's fine. Look, but there's, that's not going to be present in heaven, right? And so you might be thinking like, oh, well, that's a real bummer. Um, again, we have no idea what heaven's going to be like. But what we can assume safely is that relationships in heaven will be a million times better than what they are here. Will I still be chasing my wife around heaven? You probably, probably. That's a, still that from my pastor from Amarillo. He's like, I'm going to be chasing Cindy everywhere. She's like, yeah, she won't be my wife there. Doesn't mean I can't chase her around, right? And I'm like, I like that. I agree with that, sure. He never said anything about that, right? So that's, that's in my plan, right? If that changes, will I be disappointed? No, man, heaven, what makes heaven heaven is Jesus being in his presence. Like that's, that's what makes heaven. And if you take Jesus out of it and you think you could still look forward to it, like that, you don't understand heaven. That's what makes heaven so amazing. Everything else is a bonus. Everything else is a bonus. Relationships that you experience and all that good stuff. I'm going to read you this quote um, from Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards lived from 1703 to 1758. Uh, tremendous man, evangel, uh, evangelical kind of guy. Like just in, what I mean by that is like going around preaching the gospel everywhere. A lot of people didn't like him, and that's fine. Uh, but he led a lot of people to the Lord. This is what he says from the 1700s about this passage of Scripture. Uh, he says, in heaven, the glorified spiritual bodies of the saints will be filled with pleasures of the most exquisite kind that such refined bodies are capable of. Like our bodies couldn't handle heavenly things right now. He says, the sweetness and pleasure that shall be in the mind shall put the spirits of the body into such motion and shall cause such sweet sensation throughout the body, infinitely excelling any sensual pleasure here on this planet. So essentially what Jonathan Edwards from the 1700s is saying is like, we have no idea how, how awesome heaven's going to be. And your experiences. It's not like you get there, you'll get a, a glorified body. That's what we believe. Um, it's not like your senses are gone. You'll still be able to see, taste, uh, touch, there you go, um, hear, smell, all that fun stuff, right? You, you don't lose your senses in heaven. So they're used for things. And the experiences are, I mean, we just can't, we just can't imagine what that's going to be like. So again, I just want to, if you're thinking like, oh, this is such a bummer, I just, I want to be, but in our vows, we said forever. Well, yes, here. Um, yeah, here and now, yes, this is for, until the day you, you die or, you, or number six of your husband dies or something like that. Um, but there, there's no marriage, Okay. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. If you don't believe me, we'll just wait till you get to heaven, okay? And then we'll find each other and you'll be like, you know what, you're right. You're right. I was wrong. Uh, it's not that bad. It's not. Um, but I do, I do want to say the institution of marriage is, is, is a really cool thing from God, okay? He invented it. He created it. And it's an amazing thing. So if you can only do that on this side of heaven, do it to the best of your ability. 
I get it, we live in a fallen world, and I get it, not every relationship works out and all that stuff. I understand that. I get that. Look, I'm a product of the broken family. I understand what that's like. But God can bring healing, and he can bring restoration, and all that good stuff, man. This, you get to do this here and now, so, man, give it to the Lord and give it your all. Because you only get to do it here. That's it. And it's the same with uh, sharing the gospel. You don't share the gospel in heaven. And everybody's there. They made it. Like, they don't need to get saved. But here, people need to hear the gospel. You hear, so why not do it here before your time's up? There's a lot of that that we just miss out. We take for granted that we think like, well, we'll just always have time. We'll always have the ability. You know what? You're not always going to have the time or the ability. So seize the day. Carpe diem. Like seize the day and go for it for the kingdom. Enjoy what you can here on this earth while you can for the glory of God, for the glory of God. So he goes on. Talks about the resurrection and all that good stuff, how we'll be, but verse uh, 26, but now as to whether the dead will be raised, he's like, okay, he addressed the marriage thing, he's got that covered, he's like, now let's talk about the resurrection that you guys don't believe in, which is really the, the key point to this whole thing. To whether the dead will be raised, haven't you read about this in the writings of Moses, right? They're like, Moses is their champion, Moses is their guy, he's like, oh, you guys haven't ever read this story, like the most common and familiar story concerning Moses and the burning bush? Have you guys not read that story? And they're like, well, of course we know that story. What are you talking about? He's like, no, no, you've, you've heard the story, but you don't know anything about the story. Haven't you read about it? In, Moses, in the writings of Moses, the story of the burning bush. And they're like, how in the world are you going to prove to us that resurrection is real by the story of the burning bush? And you may even be thinking that too, of like, what? I know that story. There's nothing about resurrection in that story. Nothing. It's all about Moses is out taking care of sheep and all that good stuff. This is after he had been in Egypt and then ran away because he killed somebody and then spent this certain amount of years into, in the wilderness taking, learning how to take care of sheep. And then he was walking, you know, taking care of them out in the pasture one day, so to speak, and there's a bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed by the fire. He's like, well, that's weird. And he goes and approaches the bush, and the bush speaks to him and says, hey, take your sandals off. You're on holy ground. And then he realizes, wait, this is God speaking to me through a burning bush. And God commissions Moses in that moment to go and rescue the people of Israel from Egypt. He doesn't say anything to Moses about, hey, when you die, you'll be resurrected. He doesn't have to. Because what he says in that story, and Jesus quotes it to him, he says, long after Abraham, this is 500 years after Abraham, long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of or Isaac and Jacob. Not I was the God of these guys. The correct like verbiage there is like present tense. I am. I never ceased being their God, which means they're still alive. But they died. Yeah. They transitioned from this place to another place. 
they're still alive. God's like, I'm still their God. I am, the great I am, am still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the part. See, they knew that story. They probably could have quoted that story or recited it by verbatim back to Jesus. And they never would have seen that. And Jesus brings it right back to them, a familiar story that they, were, they, they knew very well. And he's like, hey, haven't you ever read that story? Don't you remember when God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. I am the God of fill in the blank for somebody you know who served Jesus and was a Christ follower of Jesus who has left this planet and is now in his presence. He still is their God. And that should bring comfort to you. We've had dear loved ones in this congregation who went on to be with the Lord. And he is still their God. He is still their God. When your time is up, he will never cease being your God. Never. You were created to be an eternal soul, eternal person. Like the, the smallest part of our existence is here on this planet. And we put everything into this small, the smallest part of our existence. We put everything, all the stress, all the worry, all the anxiety, we, we pile it into this little bitty spot on the chronological map, so to speak, of your life. This pinpoint. We throw it all into the pinpoint. When yet what we don't understand is eternity is coming. And we're not concerned about that at all. But it's like, I got to put everything into this little dot. And Jesus is like, why are you doing that? I've let you live in this space. I created you for this time and for a purpose and a reason. Yes. However, are you storing up for yourself treasures in heaven? Are you investing in eternity? Because most of your existence, all of your existence, for the most part, will be there. Are you preparing for that? Are you planning for that? I'm too busy. You need to set your priorities straight. I love this planet. You hear me talk about this all the time. I love this earth. I love this earth. This is the most beautiful place ever. God is an amazing artist, absolute amazing artist. I can go anywhere and be in love and thrilled and awed by the creativity of God. I can go anywhere and see any. I'll be in Amarillo, Texas at the end of this month, and it is as flat as can be, and it's Amarillo for a reason because it's yellow, right? Like, it is yellow, and it's dirty, and it is dusty, and I can go up there, and I can worship God because of his creative power. I love it. I love this place, but this is not my home. This is not my home. There's a he- heaven is coming. A new earth is coming. It's going to far exceed what this is and what the damage we have done to this place, right? Sin has wrecked this planet. Let's not, don't mistake it. Sin has wrecked sin and greed, greed is sin, all that stuff. That has wrecked this place, but there's a new one coming. But until then, I like being here. I like this place. I like people. That's, that's a miracle from the Lord. That's how I know I was saved because uh, I had problems with people before I knew Jesus. Now I'm like, I love people. It's amazing, but this life is so short, it's a vapor. It's a vapor.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' time here on earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions or would you like to talk more with someone, then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.